Hey everyone, my name is Iman Chaudhry. And my name is Danielle Solish, and today you're listening to the 29th episode of Seeing Clearly, a pre-clerkship guide to all things ophthalmology. On today's episode, we are very excited to be interviewing Dr. Sapna Sharan. So a little bit about Dr. Sharan. Uh, she specializes in pediatric ophthalmology and adult strabismus and takes care of pediatric glaucomas. She's currently holding the position of associate professor at the Western University and is the director of the undergraduate medical education curriculum for ophthalmology there. She's also the mentorship lead in the Department of Ophthalmology at Schulich School of Medicine, and she's a part of the accreditation process and policy subcommittee at Schulich as well. Dr. Sharon has undergone broad training. She graduated from medical school uh, in India. Yeah, and uh, after finishing ophthalmology residency with the National Academy of Medical Sciences in New Delhi, uh, she pursued a fellowship trained in pediatric ophthalmology and strabismus at the Save Sight Institute uh, at Sydney Eye Hospital in the University of Sydney, and then at IWK Health Center, uh, Dalhousie University, Halifax. Dr. Sharon is also trained in glaucoma with fellowship training at Toronto Western Hospital, University of Toronto. She has a keen interest in teaching and a special interest in pediatric glaucoma. So without further ado, we would love to introduce Dr. Sharon. Hi guys, uh, thank you so much for having me here. This is wonderful. I uh, did not know that such a thing existed and uh, when I looked at some of your videos, and uh, this is wonderful. I really wish uh, something like this existed when I was your age and at your stage in life. This is uh, very well done. Thank you so much for your kind words and for being with us this morning. We know you have a very busy schedule, so we're really honored to have you on today. So I just wanted to start with the very first question that we ask all of our guests, uh, which is, could you talk a bit about your journey to ophthalmology? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, as you can see, I um, uh, have an, uh, I'll, I'll uh, rewind a little bit and I'll also talk about med school. So, you know, I, uh, um, I'm a middle child uh, and middle children are usually, you know, they're gentle pleasers, you know, they are parent pleasers. They're looking for a little bit of reassurance. <laughs> from their parents, uh, however old they become. So um, I used to want to, growing up, you know, in the 70s and 80s, I wanted to be an astronaut, but that was like, you know, such a silly thing to talk about. And my siblings would often, uh, uh, you know, make fun of me and, um, but anyway, uh, my uh, parents were, so the medicine bug came from my parents, you know, a lot of Indian, uh, South Asian parents, you know, they love having uh, a child who's, <laughs> who's a physician, you know, as you guys uh, have probably uh, known. Uh, but when I was little, my mom was always very taken in by uh, the ophthalmologist, you know, she felt uh, that, and she'd tell me, hey, you know, uh, look at so-and-so, he is an ophthalmologist, he gives vision, you know, he looks after her eyes, and when I was little, I was like, yeah, you know, but, uh, but slowly, that's how it was. Uh, when I went to med school, uh, so uh, there's one thing that uh, most of us know, that outside of North America, 
ophthalmology is taught, uh, a lot of ophthalmology is taught in, um, in med school, as opposed to the US and Canada, where I saw there's very little of ophthalmology that's taught in med school. So uh, when I was in med school, I had uh, the department of ophthalmology in my med school was excellent. And there were two uh, professors who were such great teachers, uh, uh, you know, that uh, I think that is what led me to ophthalmology. I was so impressed with them and uh, and I and I really wanted to emulate them. That was the main thing. Um, and one of them was a woman. Uh, so, you know, that also uh, was so that's how I came into ophthalmology. So though I did like anesthesia, too, but I knew I wanted to do something surgical, you know, something that was. Uh, controlled, you know, intense and controlled. So mm -hmm. that's how. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting what you said that you recognize that in North America, the ophthalmology teaching is is significantly less. I mean, Iman and I have both seen that in, in both of our undergraduate medicine programs. And that's why we really came to, you know, create um, seeing clearly to spread more knowledge and awareness about the specialty. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I just want to move on to my next question, which is, could you talk a little bit about what it was like to complete your ophthalmology training in different countries and how you came about to complete those in the programs that you did? Sure. Uh, I think I, we've been very fortunate, you know, uh, I've been very fortunate uh, to have uh, seen ophthalmology in three different continents. I uh, had the good fortune uh, to train in some of the best hospitals in these three countries. Uh, it gave me different perspective on teaching, learning, uh, clinical care, uh, you know, your cultural uh, backgrounds uh, of the countries also add to uh, uh, patient care and teaching of uh, residents, med students and fellows. So it was actually very enriching, very, very enriching. Uh, when I um, joined ophthalmology, you know, uh, I never thought that I my life would take me to so many places and I'd be on three continents and then uh, settle down in a place called London, Ontario. So, you know, you, uh, so yes, it was very enriching. Um, you know, I'm also married to another surgeon. My husband's a urologist. So I know the other end entirely. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we went, uh, we, it, it's hard, you know, supporting two surgical careers, you know, as spouses, but, uh, you know, so we followed life's path and holding and supporting each other. And I often tell my residents and uh, med students that life is not just the choices that you make, but it's also life is mapped out by the choices that you don't make, you know, and the path that you don't take. So um, yes, uh, it was, it has been very enriching. And even as a surgeon, you know, picking up best skills from different people, uh, learning good clinical skills. So I, I feel very, very fortunate. That's amazing. And it's incredible to see that you've trained in so many different places and then now been able to bring it all back to London, Ontario and 
um, transfer that knowledge to your students or residents that you work with. It's it's incredible. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I just was wondering, you know, for our students that aren't too sure about what a day in your life may look like, if you could outline maybe a typical day in your life uh, for everyone. Sure. So I'd also like to correct, um, I should have probably uh, mentioned it then. So I was the undergrad director till last year, uh, uh, undergrad director in ophthalmology. So I did that for about nine years and then um, till last year. Uh, so a typical day in my life. Uh, so, uh, you know, ophthalmology is, uh, is a very busy uh, clinical branch because we are not just doing surgical part of uh, the care, you know, there's a lot of medical part as well. And uh, with pediatric ophthalmology, uh, there is a lot of, uh, as I was uh, telling you, uh, patients and uh, uh, lots of patients when, you know, when I'm practicing that in the clinic. Uh, so a typical day, um, uh, the, when I have full day uh, clinics, you know, so a full day clinic is full day. It begins at 8.30 and, uh, and continues on till, so we see patients till about 4.30, but then, you know, typically we have students and residents with us and there's teaching after that. And uh, then there's dictations. Uh, then going through uh, the uh, EMR, you know, looking at uh, the power charts at Cerner, that, that's what we uh, follow here, looking at letters, you know, MRIs, CT scans, ultrasounds, uh, making phone calls to patients, uh, messages, sitting down with your office uh, administrative staff and, you know, planning the week ahead, planning the OR schedule, looking at, you know, who needs a what, uh, so that's that. So, uh, but it's a long day, you know, and, um, but it's very enjoyable and a typical day in the OR um, is so typically I would do uh, on an average about 1.5 ORs uh, a week um, and uh, of which the, the one uh, full day is always the pediatric uh, OR and uh, a typical OR day begins early, you know, ORs begin, uh, we, we need to be in the hospital by about 7.30 or so, you know, and uh, uh, the day, the night before, uh, I always sit down with the charts and, uh, you know, typically the surgical plans are made, but I will always spend uh, the, the evening before the OR, I sit down with my charts, I finish off everything and I go through my surgical plan if uh, there's something different I need to do, then I will read up and uh, make a plan and then I'm ready. But before that, most of us, you know, uh, never go home. And uh, and then, yes, and then uh, in the pre-op area, we go meet parents and patients and uh, chat with them. Um, and then it's zip, zap, zoom. The whole day just goes back and forth, back and forth. Uh, there's a lot of chatter in the uh, OR with uh, the anesthetists, uh, the nursing staff, uh, the residents. Uh, so a lot of social chit chat happens then, you know, it's it's very good. And uh, then, yes, and then in the and after every case, you go and meet uh, the patient that you operated and reassure them 
let them know everything's going well. And then, yes, you wind down and um, whenever you finish and then go home. And uh, uh, I will typically uh, swing by um, uh, Starbucks and uh, I will buy a cake pop for myself and I will eat that on my way home. So I have a sugar rush when I reach home. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, a lot of students have not yet had an opportunity to either work with an ophthalmologist or shadow or observe in the operating room. So it's great. And it's also nice to hear to have like a nice collegial environment in the operating room. It's it's a very important part of, of medicine. And yeah, you know, it's very, uh, sorry, um, it's very important to have a good collegial atmosphere in the OR because it's a very intense atmosphere, you know. Uh, you know, you're operating, you're cutting up uh, someone's eyes, you need to have, you know, your full concentration. If you have learners there, then, you know, so, so it's always nice to have a relaxed and happy and planned environment, you know. For sure. And it, it helps like build trust in the entire process for everyone around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's nice that you do something for yourself to treat yourself at the end of the day. And I think this is a, a good reminder to learners that there are long days and you should always, you know, do something at the end of the day that, you know, makes you happy. And, and yes, you, you must look after yourself, you know? Uh, uh, so I always, again, you know, students and residents, I always tell them these small little important life lessons. You have to look after yourself, you know? mind body and soul uh you know, you know we have lovely families and everyone looks after you but uh the uh the real the utter responsibility of looking after you is yourself so you know you want to go do something mindful or whatever and the other thing that i always will do uh whatever be the weather after or however happy or tired or unhappy or frustrated or tired I am, I will 99.9% will go for a long walk with my two dogs. Mm -hmm. I really like that, you know? So I look forward to it. So it really gives me the wind down for the day, a lot of happy uh, hormones, you know, everyone's had a, a walk. And uh, so I, and we'll go for a nice long walk. So that's something I do. I like it. For sure. And it's, it's easy for it to be the first thing that someone puts off like, oh, at the end of the day, I'm so tired. I, I just want to go to bed. I'm not going to eat or work out or anything along those lines. And, and so it's really important to remember that it, you know, it is really important to do things for you. So thank you for sharing that. And it kind of leads me to my next question, which is besides that for medical students or even residents who rotate for ophthalmology, do you have any advice for them and also advice on how they can be a good learner? Yeah, um, so uh, I find med students when, uh, you know, the, the the ophthalmology keeners, you know, who come, are you talking about the ophthalmology keeners? Are sure, you? yeah, or yeah. anyone. Yeah, so I think, it, you know, um, uh, at, by this stage, everyone is uh, is a diligent person, you know. And you know your stuff well. We, as physicians, are very good with books, isn't it? You give us a book and we'll read it up and we'll be ready with facts. And that is the given, you know. But I find uh, I find many med students are very stressed out. You know, they, 
really want to impress you. They really want to, uh, I find many of them uh, are so, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're so stressed out with it that, you know, you can see that they're uh, pounding the pavement, you know, really hard. I don't think you need to do that, you know. Uh, be your, be, be, be truthful, you know. Be a, I always I always tell uh, you youngsters, you know, be nice people, be a good human being, you know. It shows. It 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 it's very see through. It's very easy to pick up, you know. Be a good human being. Listen. Be respectful. Be collegial. Those things are very important. Very very important. And even during your time in the clinic, apart from. Uh, impressing on the staff that you know the subject well, you've read well, you know the techniques, say, you know how to use the slit lamp well, or you know how to use the uh, indirect well. Uh, but, you know, gratitude and compassion to your patients, to your colleagues, your teachers, uh, at work, at home, these are very important things. These are I think these, some of these are the biggest skills that you can have, you know, these are not soft skills. I think these are what make and break you in your career as well, you know, and of course, given this is a given that, you know, you're, you're reading well, and uh, you're working hard, but some of these things are very important, you know, and people, staff can see through, can, can see very easily. Oh, I mean, thank you so much for that uh honest and insightful um, advice for our learners. I think it's really um, easy for medical students to get lost in, you know, the books and, and to get lost in impressing everyone that uh, it's really nice to take a step back and hear that advice from you. Um, and even hear how you take care of yourself or take care of your patients after uh, being in practice for so long. It's really reassuring to, to see that you can still do that, uh, even with a busy career. So thank you so much for letting our learners know that and for being so honest uh, uh, with us today. Um, with that, We've kind of wrapped up all of our academic questions. Um, and so now we move into a more fun segment of the episode, which is our Would You Rather segment. So I'll start with the first question here, um, which is, would you rather not know what you're doing tomorrow for 10 years or know exactly what you're doing every day for the next 10 years? Oh, my God, that is so easy. Uh, we, I need to know what I'm doing <laughs> every day, every day. You have to understand as ophthalmologists, we are, uh, uh, very focused, very constipated people. So we have to know must, and that is me. I need to know. I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> I think it would actually be easier to know what you're doing for the next 10 years in comparison to now where your schedule is constantly changing every week. Oh my God. I couldn't survive. I'd die. <laughs> yeah, it's especially in medicine. It, it feels impossible to not know what you're doing every day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then my question, which I might know the answer to because of what you have said earlier, but I will ask it. Would you rather it be summer long all year, but you're not able to go outside or it be winter all year round, but you're able to go outside? Um, that's actually a mixed question, you know, uh, Daniel, I go outside, uh, summer or winter, it doesn't matter to me. Um, 
sometimes I find I'm the only one outside, even when there's a winter storm going on. Um, but I think I would offer for, 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 to answer your question, I think summer all year long and I still go outside. Um, yeah, but if I had to choose, then yes. Fair enough. I think it's a it's a tough question. It would it would nice it would be nicer to be summer all year long and be able to go outside the whole time. Uh, I know summers get so hot here. Huh? But but a good lesson to learn is that even if it's cold outside and you you want to take care of yourself, there's you can always go out for a walk and put on a nice warm jacket and go out with your dogs. I'm guessing like yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um. But with all of that, um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. We've kind of wrapped up all of our questions now. And so to our audience, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of Seeing Clearly, which is our free clerkship guide to all things ophthalmology. Uh, to stay caught up with everything else iCurriculum is doing, be sure to catch, check out our website at www.icurriculum.com and to follow us on Instagram at iCurriculum as well. Thank you so much for being with us on this episode. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me again.